Hi, welcome to the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. This is Rashandi Yates. I overcame binge eating, lost 60 pounds, and kept it off for over two years. And now I'm sharing what I've learned to help you end your binge eating once and for all. Now, today's episode um, is, is going to be um, unscripted. And what I mean is that I I typically prepare um, in advance. I usually have an outline, some talking points of what I want to say. But today I'm going a little bit off the cuff. And I, 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 every time I sat down to actually write this, I, for some reason, was just blocked. And <laughs> finally, I just decided to sit down and just speak and see what comes up. But today I'm talking about one thing that you absolutely cannot be without if you want to overcome binge eating. So let's go ahead and dive in. Now, many of you are going to probably going to be able to relate to a story that I am going to share right now with you. And you know, for many, many years, um, I was looking for comfort in food. Um, I've shared about my journey, even going back to um, childhood, of just enjoying the the feeling that food gave me. You know, it really was a source of comfort. It really soothed me. And that's why I ended up having it be such a um, a powerful habit later on of turning to the food over and over and over again, you know, for comfort. And, um, you know, binge eating is very, it's very complex um, for, it's not everyone that it happens this way. There are some people who they really can't point to this lifelong reliance on, on food as comfort. You know, for some people, they, um, they're triggered by some diet that sends them into a feeling of, you know, feeling starved. Um, for some people it's, you know, body image issues coupled with dieting, but, many of you will probably relate to what I'm sharing, you know, that I remember being so young, I mean, really young, maybe six or seven and feeling like I didn't have control in my life. I remember feeling um, very anxious and ill at ease, even from a very, very young child. And you know, one of the places where I didn't feel like that, one of the places where I felt so safe and so accepted was at my grandmother's house on my dad's side, my grandmother, Vera. And I would go there and she would just um, love on me (laughs) and I would just feel very safe there. And she also had different foods than we had back at my, at my parents' house, you know? Um, For example, she had the white bread, the white refined bread instead of the whole wheat bread that my parents bought. And 
she had the real bologna instead of the, like my parents, they would buy like the lunch meat. Um, I think it was like low fat, less fat, some something like that bologna. Um, and then she would have, you know, the regular mayo and my parents would have the low cholesterol mayo. And that's just really, a re- you know, reflective of um, back then it was very much about low fat, this and that. Um, we now have largely moved past that, thankfully. But so there's a few things going on. My grandmother was a symbol and her home was a place of safety and acceptance and love. And also, I remember when I would eat the food that she had there, it would give me this feeling, you know? And I think there was an association between the food and the feeling, but also there was just the um, the reward, the hit to my brain of, you know, eating those foods versus the foods that I would have in my parents' house. And I felt comforted by that feeling. I It felt very um, pleasurable, you know, and I began to look forward to go to my grandmother's house specifically for those foods that I would get to eat when I was there. And, you know, this happened um, at home as well. I did have foods at home that I would also eat for comfort. Like um, I remember eating Jello out of the package, straight out of the package, dry, um, because it was so sweet and it gave me that feeling. And it wasn't necessarily that I liked it. It was more that I was looking for that feeling that it gave me. So I felt very comforted by food. Um, I didn't know this Consciously, I didn't realize that that's why I was reaching for these foods until much, much, much later. It wasn't until I was in my mid, um, let's see, my early 30s, I think, um, to start to put together. This was a long time pattern. And to be able to look back and see that some of the things that I did were, you know, abnormal, (laughs) abnormal behaviors with food. So I say all this to say that, you know, from the time I was a child and well into my adulthood, I turned to food for one thing when you get right down to it. And that was comfort. Now, over time, it wasn't just about getting comfort. It was also about avoiding discomfort. You know, so if I got stressed at my job, that would lead to me eating. If I had um, a disagreement or a misunderstanding with uh, my parents or my partner, that would lead to me eating. And so food became a tool that I would use to avoid pain, to avoid discomfort. And you can see how this quickly 
spiraled out of control. You know, it became something where anytime I would feel any type of discomfort, um, even boredom, I would turn to food. You know, I couldn't sit still and be with my own thoughts without needing to eat something. Um, I couldn't tolerate any kind of critical feedback from, you know, my boss <laughs> without overeating. So imagine like how crippling this became in my life. And the thing is that when you can't be with discomfort, then you can't grow. And so that brings me to my takeaway for you with everything that I've shared up until this point in this episode. In order to have complete peace and freedom with food and overcome binge eating once and for all, you must, must, must fall in love with discomfort. And there's just no other way around it. At the end of the day, if you want this thing licked, you're going to have to embrace being uncomfortable. Now, um, my story was about growing up as a child and how my um, using food for comfort really developed. But the advice that I'm giving you now is applicable to you no matter how your binge eating started. Whether it started from over-restriction, having body image issues, you know, dieting, no matter what it is that caused the problem to start, this is going to be true for you. And the reality is that any change that you want to make in your life is going to bring up discomfort. There's going to be times when it actually feels painful. There's going to be times when you're making changes and you're succeeding and you start to realize, wow, I actually can do this and I can change and this is possible for me. And then there's this sneaky thing that comes in and it's called disintegration anxiety. And the thing is that when disintegration anxiety comes, there is literally only one way to deal with it. And that is to sit with it. It's the only way. Um, One coach that I learned from said this, And it really struck. It struck me like a two by four to the head. And she said, what you can't be with will rule you. And I remember just feeling, oh, it struck me to my core because freedom is one of my highest values. And I, my immediate reaction was, there's no way I'm letting anything or anyone rule me. But I wasn't recognizing that I wasn't able to sit with discomfort. 
I would start tasks that were difficult, that would lead me to a goal that I had. And I would get ants in my pants, you know, it would get difficult and I would start getting restless. And then, you know, maybe I would think, oh, you know, I should stop and get a snack. I've heard it called, pro. how did she put it? Procrastinating. <laughs> so I would go and procrastinate, you know, or I would say, okay, well, let me go, you know, watch a YouTube video or let me pick up my phone. I wasn't thinking this consciously. It was something that would happen because I couldn't be with the discomfort to be able to discipline myself enough to focus. You know, now I want you to just think about your own life and think and be honest with yourself and ask yourself, can you be quiet? Can you sit quietly with nothing to entertain you except for your own thoughts? And I'm not even talking about like meditation. Um, Can you go on a walk without your phone, without a buddy, without a audiobook playing in your ear or a podcast? Because this is going to give you some really good information. If you can do this, you know, or if you try to do it and it's really hard, or if you get a little panicky at the thought of going for a walk without any you know, reading or listening or or your phone. This is really useful information for you to have. If you find that, no, you can't be still and quiet with just your own thoughts for 20, 30 minutes, an hour, then good. Because now you have awareness and awareness is always, always, always the first step toward change. Now, when it comes to falling in love with discomfort, you can do specific things to cultivate this skill. And I'll share with you some of the things that have worked for me in my life. Um, But you really can get as basic as just sitting still and quiet with no distractions and no one around you for increasingly longer periods of time. So let's start there. Something that I have started doing in my life, and I cannot begin to speak to the amazing benefits of it, is to just be still and quiet for a long stretch of time. I just recently finished uh, another session of this. And what I do is I, I spend four hours in complete and total silence. Just me and my thoughts. Um, you know, no phone, no television. I don't take a, I don't even take a walk. Um and obviously no phone, no books, you know, and I just sit in a room by myself with my thoughts. Now I know some of you are right now you're probably freaking out because, you know, I would have freaked out about this. Um in the past. And so I get it. But let me tell you, you know, I was a person who could not, I could not do this for 10 minutes unless I was maybe meditating. I would reach for my phone. You know, I would start thinking about 
food that was in the pantry. So trust me, like if I can do this, you can do this. But it might be beneficial to you to start small. So here are some things that you can do to just kind of start small and ease your way into this. Um, And for some of you, it's going to be different baby steps. So for some of you, if you're a person who's always on the go, 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 go. You know, you're working from sun up to sundown. I'm imagining a busy, uh, you know, parent who also has maybe a side hustle or maybe they have, a, you know, a career that they work hard at and you're always checking things off your list. You're a person who gets things done and, you know, maybe you're really successful in your in your work and your career and you're always on the go. Now for that person, what you might want to do is actually start with um, maybe have it, watching a movie with your family without your phone, turn your phone off, put it in another room. For someone like that, you're probably going to find even that challenging to start. So that's a great place to start. And it's a good baby step to start. And you can work your way toward, you know, having your phone in your hand less, checking your email less, getting on social media less. And this will start to ease you toward the ability to be able to actually have no distractions whatsoever and just be able to sit with your thoughts. Now, let's take another example. Let's say you're a person who is more like me. Um, and I would say maybe the first example is more of a type A, whereas I'm more of a type B personality. I am very comfortable with sitting still. You know, I was more of a person who in the past, I would have a difficult time activating action. Um, you know, I could easily sit and have ideas and brainstorm and think big picture. But when it came to like, you know, actually checking all the boxes off, that was more of a struggle for me. Now, for a person like this, maybe you just really enjoy like being out in nature. Not to say that the type A personality can't have that aspect too, but um, I'm just thinking of examples of, you know, that you might be able to relate to. So for this person, a baby step might be to, because this person, you might already have a practice of sitting still and meditating, but now try sitting still without the meditation. Try sitting still and just noticing your thoughts. And yes, your thoughts are going to go crazy. Your thoughts are going to, you know, be like a little monkey and run all over the place. But I just want you to be aware of that. I just want you to notice what your thoughts are doing. So those are two great baby steps to start this process of getting comfortable with discomfort. So the last thing I want to say is that how do you know when you have, quote unquote, arrived, so to speak? <laughs> now, you know, I truly, truly believe that it's about the journey, not the destination. I believe that I am on a constant growth journey. And I believe that that is what life is for, to grow. That's just a preface for what I'm going to say, um, that, you know, even though there isn't really a quote unquote arrival, how do you know when you are truly comfortable with discomfort? And this is when it gets really fun because 
what you're going to find is that, you know, the things that used to trigger you don't trigger you anymore. Or that the things that trigger you don't result in binge eating. They don't result in emotional eating. Now, when you get triggered, there's a different, a new automatic reaction to those triggers. So for example, you know, if stress used to trigger you to binge eat, now maybe stress just triggers you to wonder, hmm, what do I need right now? Because you're more in tune with your your needs and your emotions. Whereas, you know, maybe you would have gotten triggered in the past by um, something that somebody said that was cross to you at work or at home. And maybe in the past you would have been triggered and immediately food would have popped in your mind. And what's really cool is when you know Like you're triggered and you know that you feel sad or you feel hurt, but yet you don't even think about food. The first thing that you do is you actually just feel what you're feeling. And I think that is where the true feeling freedom really is. So if there's any indication of, you know, arriving, that would be it. And isn't that what we all really, really want at the end of the day? We, we really want that freedom. We don't want to be a slave to anything, any external trigger, any circumstance, you know, any person, place, or thing. We don't want to be a slave to that. We want to be in control of our own behaviors, of our own reactions, of our own choices, of our own selves. So I'll leave you with that. Um, The one thing that you can't be without if you truly want to overcome binge eating, which is that you cannot avoid discomfort. You must fall in love with it. So I hope that you've enjoyed this um, unscripted episode. And please do reach out and tag me on Instagram at Rashonda Yates if you have any ahas from this episode that you want to share, or if you try one of the exercises that I recommended and have any insights there, I would love to cheer you on. So thank you for listening. And I will catch you next time on the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And if you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools Over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashonda Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode, on on another episode. Bye.